For the next few moments, quiet your mind and listen carefully with your whole heart. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Now breathe out. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Deep breath in. Hold it. Now breathe it out. Jesus didn't say you might find rest, or that somehow you'll find rest as you wander aimlessly through this life. He said, come to me, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's a promise. He goes on to tell us that he is gentle, and that in him our very souls will find rest. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out. You can take Jesus at his word. You can choose to take all your cares and worries, anxiety and pain, habits and hurts, and give them to Jesus. Are you restless? Are you weary and worn out? If given the opportunity, could today be that day of rest? As you breathe in and breathe out, remember that Jesus is patiently waiting for you to come to him, bringing everything that's weighing you down. Jesus is waiting to give you rest. Good morning, everybody. So awesome to be with you today. Want to welcome everybody attending online. So glad you're able to join us today. And I'm really, really excited to begin a brand new sermon series called, well, I had three different names for it. The original name was, remember, well, let me just backtrack a little bit. This wasn't the original series I was supposed to do this month. I was planning on a different direction, but God once again kind of interrupts my plans, I guess because he's in charge. And my job is very simple. My job is to be close to Jesus, to hear from Jesus, and to present to you what Jesus has told me for you. Is that pretty simple? Your job is to receive it, digest it, marinate in it, practice it, and tell others. The Bible said if you just hear and don't do, then your faith is useless. Faith without doing is dead. That's what it says. You got to hear it and receive it and practice it. So let me encourage you. There's a lot of content today. Let me encourage you. Take notes. Take out your phones. Write things down. Take pictures. Watch it later on. Because my, my hope and my prayer is that this message, this series, is going to it's going to bring transformation to your soul, to your inner life. Does that sound good? Is, are you okay with that, everybody, so far? Yeah? All right. So, so I, I originally entitled series Remember the Sabbath, and um, I had the graphic designer working on that. And I was in church last week. I was with my parents in Georgia, just checking in on them. They're doing great, by the way. Thank God. They're doing really good. Um, and we're sitting in church. I'm just an attender. Oh, man, it was great to be an attender. You see, I'm usually here by 7 a.m., but 
I got to church at 11 a.m. It was awesome. I'm like, I didn't come at 11 a.m. This is great. There was coffee. I was like, this is awesome. I just sat. I looked. I just barely sang because I was just like, oh, this is so awesome. So afterwards, during the pastor's sermon, I hate to say this, but I'm thinking about lunch. Now I know what you guys think about at 11 o'clock. I'm thinking about where we're going to lunch. I'm like, we're doing this. We're doing a whole Sunday deal. So I thought, my mom says she's cooking this big, she want to cook this soup that she, you know, I'm growing up. I said, oh, I love soup, mom. That'll be great, mom. Thank you if you're watching. The soup was awesome. But um, we had to wait a little while. So I'm like, you know, let's just, let's just stop at Chick-fil-A. That's what I thought, you know. I thought, let's just go to Chick-fil-A. So I'm sitting there, I'm dreaming about Chick-fil-A because they're right next to my mom's house is a Chick-fil-A. There's Chick-fil-A everywhere in Georgia. And I'm thinking and I'm, I'm salivating and then it hit me. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. I was like, this is so wrong. So this is so wrong. Now I know the feeling. So I said, I said to my wife, I said, I whispered over the pastor's preach. I said, honey, do you want to hit Chick-fil-A after this? She's like, yeah. Let's do that. I'm like, well, they're closed. She got so mad at me. She got so mad at me. We were laughing. I mean, we almost laughed out of control, but we're trying to maintain our cool. And then it hit me. That's the title of this new the series we're doing. It's called Closed on Sundays because that's the spirit of Sabbath. The spirit of Sabbath, and I'll be explaining this. I'll be unpacking this. It's going to take a few weeks to, for you to really understand it and, 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 and grasp the understanding. I gave you a handout on the way in, and if you didn't get it, you can get it on the way out. There's, it's just a lot of information. But the idea of, of closed on Sundays is that God has created us not to be human doing machines, but to be human beings created in his image. That means we were created to work and rest. We were created for the rhythm of working and resting and resting and working. And, and that is how we were created. And if we're going to follow God's plan for our life, then the Sabbath requires us to take one day out of our week to close up shop and to say, you know what? It's closed. I'm closed on Sundays. Now, for most of us, Sundays is the best day for Sabbath because most of us have the weekends off, but a lot of you have rotating schedules and different, and different days off, and we'll talk about that. There's in your hand now. It's not necessarily on Sundays. It could be on Saturdays. It could be during the week. It could be rotating, but the idea is that you are separating a day in your week to rest your soul, your mind, and your heart. So today's title of today's message in the series called Close on Sundays, it's very simple. It's called Hit the Brakes. Hit the Brakes. So um, way back when I was pastoring my other church in Massachusetts, there was a car dealer. He owned a car dealership, and he had car dealers They have cars, and one of his personal cars was this, was this red convertible Corvette. And he said, Pastor Joe, I just, I just want to, I, I thought he would say gift it to me. He'd, he's like, I just want to. I'm like, yes. Then he said, lend it to you. I said, that's good too. That's just as good. I just want to lend you this convertible red Corvette. I felt like I was 25 years old when I jumped into that thing. 
it was insane. I drove it all weekend up and down the streets. I pulled the top down. And by the way, if you've never driven a Corvette like this, it is like a rocket ship. That's all I can say. I'm on the highway doing like 70, 75. I'm not even in top gear yet. And I just like shift gears and my head goes back and I am literally gone. And then the turns, you know, you drive the turns, you know, Honda Accord, whatever you drive, and it's like the Honda's going to tip over on the turns, right? This thing, you could do 75, 80, 90, and turn, and it stays the same. It is, it was insane. I, I had a wedding to perform. I pulled up, and I pulled up, and I'm like, ah! Pastor's here. Pastor's here. I took out my, I took my wife out on a date. Her hair's flying in the wind. I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, y'all wish you were me until I had to give it back on Monday. That stunk. But the most important, I thought about this, the most important feature on this car is not the engine, not, the, not anything else. It's not how fast you can go. The most important feature I've learned driving a Corvette is your ability to stop. Because if you don't have brakes, you're going to crash. Y'all know that. And life can be like this sometimes. A lot of us are like this red Corvette driving down the highway of life at 100 miles per hour. And I'm here to tell you today that if your life is full of busy and doing and working and busy and running and running and going and going, if you do not hit those brakes, how many know that one day you're going to hit a turn and you're going to crash? And the reason why I know this is because this was me a few years ago. A few years ago when I experienced burnout. And, um, you know, it's tough to be transparent on Sundays um, because you want to appear like you have it all together. And sometimes you kind of share your story and you feel a little vulnerable. And there's a thing called like, um, you, kind of, you kind of feel like, oh no, did I share too much? But what I'm learning is that um, what's most important is just to be real with who I am and my story, my journey. You see, y'all don't have to share who you are um, so much so. You bring your Sunday version to church all the time, right? You're the, you bring your Sunday best, so that's all I see. But um, as the pastor, sometimes I, I just want to share. And, and, and in 2016, I was that red Corvette, and I thought I could take the turn without hitting the brakes, and I crashed. And it was bad. It was a bad crash. Thankfully, I survived. I lived. But it took me years to recover. It did. It took me years to recover. And, and, and because I did not recognize that my soul was more important than my role. That my rest was just important as my work. And I'd been running, running, running for years, compiling, compiling to doing for years, re turning churches around in the name of God, until one day God spoke to my heart a verse in the scripture says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? 
Like, what does it profit you, Joe, Pastor Joe, if you're winning the masses for Christ, but you are dying on the inside? Your soul is dying. And I'm here to tell you today that a lot of us are on the, 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 the treadmill. We're running, we're working, we're trying to achieve, we're trying to um, um, arrive, we're trying to accomplish so much. And here's my question for you. What's, what does it profit you if you've accomplished so much, you've achieved so much in life, but your soul is dead and dying on the inside? And what I'm learning today is that unless I, I, I hit the brakes, unless you hit the brakes, you see, this is the thing. We all will stop. Whether you hit the brakes of the car or not, how many know that eventually the car will have to stop? whether you push the brakes, hit the brakes, or whether you crash. And that's the truth of it all. If you don't hit the brakes, then God may allow you to stop in other ways. As we begin this series, I want to ask you a question. Before we get into what Sabbath is all about and all these things, I want to ask you a very simple question. Like, how's your soul? How, how are you doing on the inside? How you doing inside? Like, if I were to ask you, if we were to do a survey today, um, one being the, the most tired and 10 being the most energetic, on this Sunday morning, what would your number be? And, and maybe you're a zero. I don't include zero, but maybe one is the least energetic and 10 being the most energetic. Energetic. What's your energy level like today? Did you come here today feeling, feeling alive? Did you come here today feeling energized? Or, or are you just like trying to get through? And it's okay to, to, to not be okay. It's okay to be real and to take off the Sunday mask. Isn't it okay to do that and just say, you know what? I am just tired. Can we be real? If you have the guts, are you tired? Any ones or twos in the house? Okay, there's some. Any threes? If you're a 10, I want to give you a hug after service. I want some of y'all energy. Like, give me the energy. But you could be a 10. That's good, too. So ask yourself the question, how is my energy today? My energy for life, my energy for living, my, my, my awareness of God's presence if you're driving through life right now, going 100 miles an hour in the red Corvette, you probably wouldn't have noticed it was fall. When you're so tired and drained, you can't even be present in the present and even see the beauty of the moment. Have you driven, have you taken time to drive through the country and to see the beauty on display? Or, or, or are you one of those that, man, I wish I could, but I'm just too what? Busy. Just too busy. How's your soul? Well, let me ask you the second question, though. Your soul and the energy level you have today is one thing, but let me ask you this one. How's your reserves? How's your reserves? So, so let me be a, a little more transparent with you how this series came about, where I'm at today. The past couple months have been hard for me. They've been hard. I've been feeling drained. 
I've been feeling depleted. And first of all, let me ask you this question. If, if I ask you about how your reserves are, this is how you could tell how your reserves are. Let me, this is how you can tell. If we were to get hit by another pandemic next week, how many would be able to go through it and handle it? Or how many would, be, how many would say, I can't do that again? How many are honest and say, I can't go through that again? Like I'm just depleted. And to be honest, that's me. I'm, I'm depleted. And I'm trying to figure out why. Why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, especially when you've experienced burnout years ago, you're kind of aware of the signs. And you're looking, I'm looking at my life and I'm doing the rhythms, I'm doing things right, but I just feel a little more exhausted than I normally am for doing nothing. And small things become big things and, 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 and little crises become big crises. And I find myself saying, I just can't do this anymore. You ever felt that way? recently so as we are in transition here in the church and we talked about rebuilding and we talked about all those things the past few weeks um i had my coach come in in, in, in about a month ago i says i say frank i need you to come in because i just need some some coaching i need some help and as i began to talk about where we were at as a church and where i was at personally Frank stops me. This is the first time in 13 years. He's my coach for 13 years. He stops me and says, Joe, it sounds like you're still grieving. I said, grieving? He said, it sounds like you're still grieving your losses from the past two and a half years. It sounds like you're still grieving the church you lost. And he says, normally I don't bring this into our coaching sessions, but the reason why I'm able to see that is because I'm right there with you. Our church was 1,800. He said, and today it's 750. We're understaffed, we're overworked, and I'm exhausted. And I brought that to my, my counselor. I do, see, I do have a counselor. I do see him monthly for maintenance and, and to process things and um, I went to my counselor, talked to him about it, and um, I mentioned to him where we're at as a church, where I'm at as a person. I mentioned to him, you know what, I'm not mentioning the word COVID anymore or pandemic anymore. Did y'all hear that in my last sermon? Like, I'm not talking about pandemic anymore. We're past that. I'm done with it. He said, classic symptom of grief, denial of reality. Then it began to flood my soul. I began to see what was happening in my life. Now that the pandemic, for the most part, has come to an end, we have used up all of our emotional energy. We have used up our resilience. We are depleted and exhausted after going through two and a half years of fighting and pressing. And then I began to look at what I've been through just this past year and just this past, um, just this past Christmas, uh, a good friend of mine was in the hospital, a good pastor friend, one of my best friends was in the hospital for a week, didn't know if he was going to make it. Another best friend of mine was sick for a month, didn't know he was going to make it. 
then my parents get sick, you know? It hits you a little harder when it's your, your personal parents, right? And they're in a hospital for a week. And as my dad, I got a call on Thursday night or Friday night that they're rushing my dad to the hospital. The doctor said his lungs are really bad. My sister's crying hysterical. We don't know what's going to happen. That same, that next morning, I'm hosting a funeral here at the church for, for a man who was a pastor, a father, about the same age as my dad who died of COVID. And I'm asking myself, is God preparing me? Is God preparing me? Thankfully, they were, they made it by God's grace. We don't understand why some did, some didn't, but God's grace, they made it. And then last, last fall or last summer, my father-in-law was sick. He, had a, he has a lung and a half, but he was sick in the hospital in ICU, and we don't know if he's going to make it. And then we've had people in the church pass, and then we've had loved ones, that, and, and, and then just compile all of this over time. Not only was I struggling with the trauma of my own emotions of my own life, of what I experienced, what I saw in the church, what I see in the church, the, the, the struggle. I'm also suffering with vicarious trauma. In other words, your trauma is also affecting me as your pastor because I have to walk through that with you. Does that make sense? And I recognize and I realize that I'm depleted. Like, like the, what I'm feeling is not burnout like I experienced in 16. It was merely depletion. My soul is empty. And I am t- tired. And I am exhausted. And if you were to tell me today there's another crisis we have to go through, I would say, okay, I would muster up the energy that God gave me. But I can tell you today, I don't have much reserves to get through anything. And I have a feeling you're in the same boat. Because this time, I'm not walking through this alone. You see, what I'm learning is that we are all recovering emotionally and spiritually from the traumatic effects the pandemic had on all of us. Church, this is going to help you because I'm so excited to share this series and message because this is where we're at. But the beauty is that God restores and God heals and God, God heals and God empowers and God strengthens. But um, this is what I'm learning. This is where we're at. And it's different in New York than it is down south, to be honest with you. I met, when I was in Georgia, even in Florida, Florida, when I went a year and a half ago, it was like there was no pandemic in Florida. In, August, in Georgia, there really wasn't one in that sense. But in New York, man, we've been hit with mandates and hard things and, and church closings and like, like heavy stuff. It, 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 in other words, it impacted us more here in the Northeast. How many can see that? Not to get political, it's just how it was, the reality of it. Now, now listen to also what I'm learning. You all still with me? Is this too much of a downer for you? I'm going to turn it around, but all right, here we go. Our souls are exhausted and depleted, and we need to recover strength and resilience that we've used to survive the last two and a half years. And this is the thing. People are trying to recover. People know this subconsciously. That's why, remember last year when, when you couldn't get a hotel room? Because every Airbnb was taken, every, like, everyone's flocking to parks. And it's still happening today. People are trying to recover the resilience, the passion, the life that they lost. But this is, this is what I'm concerned about. People are recovering the wrong way. 
Because people are trying to recover their life with things that don't bring life. True life. And this is the thing, unless, unless, and, and this is the thing, if we don't recover the right way, we will continue down a path of depletion and exhaustion, which will eventually pull us away from the very source that only can give us life, which is Jesus. This is where we're at. We're all in recovery, but if we're not recovering the right way, then we're going to continue down a path of depletion and exhaustion and isolation and separation and not be present with God and present with others and not, not, not feel the, the, the vibrancy of life once again, the vibrancy of, of, of being a passionate followers of Jesus. And this is what I see in culture today. Everyone is flocking back to trying to get to the norm in concerts and parks and vacations and cruises, and that's all great. Do it. But if that's your only source of recovery, you're going to walk away from those experiences still empty and still dry and still with a hole in your heart, a sadness in your soul, an emptiness in your spirit that there's got to be something more than what I'm experiencing now. That's why Jesus invites us to recover. But he presents to us a better way to recover. Oh, we all need to go to the parks and we all need to go to fishing and we all need to go on vacation and we all need to go to the cruise. God bless you. I, if you go, take me with you. You know what I mean? Like, let's just do it. Let's just get the sand between our toes and let's just go out there in the pool and just forget about life. But unless we go to the life, the well of Jesus. We will have a vacation, but we will not learn true rest in our souls. We will not find the rest and recovery that we need in our souls. That's why Jesus in Matthew 11 in the message says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? What is this remedy? What does Jesus say when you're exhausted, when you're tired? He says, come to me. Get away with me. And what does he say? Come on, church, read that with me. Unless you're too tired to read. Are you guys okay? It's like you're like, I'm with you, Pastor. Keep injecting me with hope. <laughs> so he says, how, okay, let me flip it. How does Jesus say you will recover your life? By coming to him and getting away with him. He doesn't say just go on vacation. He doesn't say go on a cruise. He doesn't say buy a new house. By the way, this is the movement. People are relocating. People are buying new homes. By the way, did you know that people are, there was record levels of people renovating their houses because there was a yearning within all of us to restart, to start fresh, to start new, to find not normalcy again. But Jesus is saying, that's great. I'm glad your house looks great, but you can have a beautiful house and still have an empty soul. And Jesus is saying, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Then he goes a little further. It ain't over. It ain't over. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, Sabbath and working and Sabbath and resting and working and resting and working. He goes, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I've preached this before, but isn't this refreshing? That's how life should be, free and light like a gazelle in the wind. Yasha came. Come on, let's flap the wings. Just, this is how I'm coming to church, like a gazelle. Just 
just flying. <laughs> I could just see it now. I went to that transformation church, and they had us all flapping like ourselves. <laughs> what does Jesus say? There's got to be a better way. There is a, a better way to recover what you've lost, to recover the resiliency, to recover the energy, to recover the exhaustion, to get rest. You see, the only way to really recover our lives is to hit the brakes and get away with Jesus. You got to hit those brakes. You can't keep going and going and going and going and going. You can't. You got to push pause. You got to hit the brake and say, you know what? There's got to be one day a week that I can rest. And when we rest, we don't just rest and take a day off. We rest in God. Now, notice what Jesus said about life. Jesus said, if we're going to find life, if we're going to recover our lives, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the what? The life. He is life. If you find Jesus, you find life. Jesus also said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants you to have a full, abundant life. He is turning the leaves so you can walk in it and play in it. He, 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 he made these beautiful days so you can smell the grass, so you can walk in the park, so you can recover your life, so, so that you can enjoy the gift that he's given to you. The beauty of where we live is incredible. It's magical. It's majestic. People all over the world are flooding to the Hudson Valley. You can't get a hotel room. By the way, do you know how much a hotel room costs? Anywhere from $350 to $500 a month in Middletown. I mean, a, a day in Middletown. What? Why? Because there's something beautiful about this area, and God wants you to enjoy it. God wants you to have life and life to the full. God wants you to recover that life so, so that when you wake up in the morning, you actually breathe in the life of God, and, and, and you drink that cup of coffee as the sun is shining in your face, and you experience the life of God into your soul and into your life, to your innermost being. Notice that Jesus declares himself as the what? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What is this verse teaching us? That requires us. Jesus will present the food, but it's up to us to consume and eat and drink. Isn't that what it says? The table is set, but you have to go. But if you don't, what's the antithesis of this? You will be hungry. You will be thirsty. And what I see is a culture full of hungry, thirsty people. Hungry, thirsty, addicted to social media, addicted to technology. I've never, ever met someone that binged on a Netflix series and said, I feel energized.
Am I right? Okay. We're addicted to technology. We're addicted to media. And you know what it's doing? Write this down. It's doing violence to our souls. And people are crashing. There's waiting lists for counselors. There's people who are crashing all around us. And my prayer for you, if you attend this church, is that you learn to drink from the well of Christ so you can recover your life. Look what Jesus, I just had to write all these verses down because they were so good. Listen to this one. John 7, 13, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Oh, I love that. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of water will flow within them. Isn't that awesome? The river of, within our soul. You see, God has given us the rhythm of Sabbath to help us recover our lives, replenish our souls, and find real rest. The rhythm of Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Here we go. Closing down our busy lives one day per week so we can find rest for souls, for our soul. In other words, what is Sabbath? It's just being closed on Sundays. It's remaining unplugged. It's saying, I'm not going to be running around the city, running my errands. It means that I'm just going to take extra time to rest my mind and my body. It means I'm going to spend time with those that I love. Or it might just mean I'm just going to take an afternoon nap. It's actually doing nothing. Productive. And I know that's countercultural because some of you are thinking, how is that possible? How is that possible? But if Chick-fil-A could be closed on Sunday, yet be one of the most profitable fast food businesses in the world, then how come you can't? Like Hobby Lobby is closed on Sunday. B&H is run by Jewish, um, Jewish, I think it was rabbis or individuals. Um, they run the largest electronic store in New York City, but they're closed from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. You can't even purchase anything on their website. Yet they're the most pro one of the most profitable electronic companies in the world, New York City. People all over the world order from them. The thing is, we're conditioned in our culture that unless we're doing and achieving, we're not successful. But that's not the way Jesus laid it out for us. That's not even how God lived, how God conducted his life. He created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Did he, was he tired? What was he doing? Leaving us an example to follow. That resting is so important. Now, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word that means to cease to stop working. Let me give you the backstory. Um, the children of Israel are in Egypt, and they're in slavery for 400 years, over 400 years. Moses hears from God, and God hears the cries of his people. So um, God calls Moses to go to Pharaoh and say the famous words, infamous words, let my people go, right? After the 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally let his people go, and they left and went towards the promised land. One of the first things that God did was give Moses the Ten Commandments. And the fourth commandment was remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. I'll have that in just a moment. 
Why did Jesus, I'm sorry, why did God, Jesus was there, but he was in heaven. Why did God present to them this commandment of Sabbath? Because he wanted them to remember they were human beings, not human doings. And they were no longer slaves, but they were created in the image of God. As slaves, they worked seven days a week for over 400 years. It was in their psyche. It was in their brains. It was in their DNA. And God said, no, remember the Sabbath. You are not a slave. You are free. And I'm here to tell you today, you are not slaves. You are not slaves to your work. I don't care what career you have or what you do with your life. Listen, you are not a slave. You are a human being. Created in God's image. That means you were wired to rest. See, Sabbath provides for us now an additional rhythm for an entire reorientation of our lives around the living God. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus himself observed the Sabbath. He was Jewish. He, he, he practiced this principle himself. We're all followers of Jesus or we're trying to be followers of Jesus. Therefore, we follow Jesus' practice and rhythms. He rested. In other words, it says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That's what God spoke to Moses. And that word holy means separate. So for your Sabbath, for example, if it's Sunday, Sabbath is not just going to church. Sabbath is an entire day in which we worship God, give it to God. It's different. I remember growing up in New York City, and I remember when, when I loved the, the, the time in which everything was closed on Sunday. You guys remember that? The blue laws in New York City, there was only like one stationary like grocery store. It wasn't a grocery store, like a little store that my dad would stop to get his mints before church. Everything else was closed. It's so much has changed. Um, with the invention of the computer, the, the, the people thought that having these computers would actually, they thought they would run out of work. You can look this up. When the computer was invented, people thought that they would not have enough work to do because the computers would do all the work for them. But actually the flip happened with the invention of the computers. Now we do more work than we humanly should. We're more available than we humanly should. We're more connected than we humanly should. And over time, listen, this does damage and violence to our souls. It does. So the Sabbath is about a day separate. It's, it's a day that involves four, four, four movements. We'll call them movements. It's stop, rest, delight, and worship. We call them movements. The first is to stop. I'm pausing from working, and I am going to rest and delight and worship in God. I, I can hear it in my soul that some of you just... Or might be protesting that in your subconscious because you're thinking, Pastor, that's great, but how? I can't. That's not real. All I can tell you is and share with you the life I've lived that after 20 years of going nonstop, I ended up on a floor, crashed because I had no rhythm of stopping. And I just present to you the scriptures in which God presents to us this principle of Sabbath in which we are to stop 
That's what Sabbath is. It's stopping and resting and delighting. And what's beautiful about Sunday for, for most people is that worship is included. In other words, Saturday night, let's say around 6 o'clock, Sabbath can begin for you up until Sunday night at 6 o'clock. If you work Sundays, then maybe it's Saturdays. If you work Saturdays, maybe it's Fridays. But there's that period of time in which you stop. And it's been life-changing for me and my family as we do our best to practice Saturday Sabbath for us. Um, it's life-changing once you get that rhythm in your soul and eventually your soul will crave it. I think I'm almost out of time here. Your soul will crave it. So Sabbath is first and foremost stopping, hitting the brakes, stopping. And what is keeping us from stopping? And I'll, I'll end with this. What's keeping us from stopping? Trust. Trust, trusting God that he's going to take care of whatever's left undone, being okay with maybe dishes in your sink, being okay with chores not being done, being okay with stuff that's lists that aren't finished, right? But when we hit the brakes and stop and recognize that we're not human doings, but human beings made in the image of God, Okay, we recognize that. I said that earlier, recognize that. We just have to stop and trust that what work we put in Monday through Saturday is enough for Sunday and that God will take care of whatever's left and undone. That I'm not gonna violate the sacred, not because of legalism. You're not going to hell if you don't observe the Sabbath. You're not like a bad Christian. This is just more about your soul your soul. I'll leave you with this last verse because I'm out of time. Um, in Psalm and the message says, this is what Sabbath is all about. Step out, stepping out of the traffic, take a long look, loving look at me, your high God, above politics and above everything. That's what Sabbath is all about. Let's watch this video. Do you guys have that queued up? Let's watch this and we'll close. It's really quick, quick video. I'm Joe, I'm a, a serial entrepreneur, so I, I've built and sold a number of different companies and that's kind of led me deep into the tech world. So I'm doing a lot of things like just assembling companies as fast as I can. The startup world is very much an environment where um, speed is everything, so you need to be you know, pressing, you kind of need to be grinding and pushing that forward. A lot of Sabbath is like, it's almost like preparing for war to go back into this place where I'm leading a, you know, Tons of people, it's, it's that refiner's fire that preps me for the week. Everything in my life tells me to go faster, work harder, increase your productivity. You know, how much did you get done in an hour? Okay, like, <laughs> how many more hours can you do? Those are the types of questions that I'm re regularly faced with, of like, oh, these are the, these are the ways to improve um, and increase the richness of my, you know, experience and, um, you know, do the human condition well. And yeah, I think Sabbath just proved that wrong in my heart. Um, I mean, it's stopping and slowing down. So it's very much like a big piece is in the morning recognizing, whoa, this was the pace that I've been moving at this week. I'm going so fast, I need to slow down. And sometimes you don't even get eyes to see how fast you're moving until you're removed from the situation and, and you're ready to like kind of chronologically declare freedom over your life. I'm like, okay, this is an architecture in time where I'm stepping into the temple with the Lord. Um, and it's not about productivity. It's not about walking away with anything. It's just about being blown by 
the wind. And I think that's so opposite because, you know, the world's like, okay, plan, what's your plan? You know, how are you in control? You know, those, these types of questions that I feel like Sabbath, um, mm. so it, I mean, it subverts and, and, and breaks down. It's almost, it kind of does it from the inside out though. The, your next step for today is not to go home and take, and, and just say, I'm stopping everything. Like make a dramatic change. That's not, that's not your next action item for you. This is your action item. Because practicing Sabbath for some of you might take six months to prepare for. It might take months and weeks to kind of work towards, to communicate with your family, your home. This is your next step. You're just going to pray about it. You're going to read the notes. You're going to process the information. And you're simply going to say, Lord, help me to understand this before I actually do this and see the impact that it can have on me and my family and my home. So I don't want you to leave here today and say, well, we have to make a change today. Some of you might feel that way, but for the most part, that's not what I want from you today. What I want from you is to simply create a space and a place and just think about a day, a moment. Thinking about sitting on your deck or think about taking a walk. Think about being more present with your kids and more present with your family. Being more present with God. Just think about it. And then say, Lord, show me how. Show me when. Teach me. With your head bowed and eyes closed, if you are here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ into your life if you have never done it already. If you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior, and today you want to place your faith and trust in Him, why don't you put your hand up right where you're at so I could just pray for you before we go. Anybody, before we go, maybe you're watching and worshiping with us online, let us know. Anyone in the room here today? And as we close in prayer, maybe you just need to be refreshed. Can we just take a moment with your palms up, just sitting where you're at, and just say, Lord, here I am. I love the passage Jessica chose this morning. He restores my soul. Lord, would you restore the soul of your church? Would you restore the soul of your people? Would you restore us that we may walk in life, in newness of life, in freedom of life? Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody together said it. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you all.